0: This 12-year-old girl comes up to him and goes, goes, Do you need do you need a translator? And he goes, Yeah, I do. And so he takes her over to the three women, and this twelve-year-old girl leads these three women to the Lord. And and it, isn't that the way this should work for us, right? That our lives even here, that we're leading people to the Lord, we're talking to people, we're expressing God's love to them, and and, and the people that we just got done expressing God's love to, right, immediately they're turning around expressing that love, sharing their faith, letting people know about the Lord. That's, that's the gospel message, right? The church over the years have kind of got it wrong, right? I mean, here's what we do. Well, we're going to get you saved, and then we're going to sit you in the pew, we're going to sit you in a seat, we're going to sit you somewhere, and then we're going to... We're going to train a passion out of you. Is what we're going to do. We're just going to train all passion out of you, whatsoever. And then, then, then you're you're not going to be effective whatsoever. How many of you know that God never called us to be ineffective? He called us to be effective disciples, right? I mean, that's what that's what we're called to, as as the body of Christ. And so, um, and so part of what we're going to be doing, I want to encourage you because uh, coming up uh, in September is our fall retreat. And it's not just a retreat to get away and just to have fun, which we do, we have a lot of fun on those trips, but um, it's a time for us to really, we, we try to do this twice a year and we pull everything back together again, take a look at what we've done, where we're at right now as a church, where, we need, where we're get, getting ready to go, and, and also put some training mechanisms in place in order, to be, in order for people to be well equipped in order to do what we're supposed to be doing for our next step. And so that's what the fall retreat's going to be about. And leading up to the fall retreat is I'm, we're going to be talking about um, this whole topic here that I'm going to be uh, talking about today. It started off last week with love and fear. And it's like, but I'm, I'm going to hone in on this verse, Matthew 22, 34 through 40. So if you turn there with me, Matthew 22, 34 through 40. And and we're going to hone in on this because um, it's, a, it's, for me, and for us as a church, what I love about this church is that this church is very genuine and authentic. What I love about this church is because we're willing to do what others tell us not to do. And, I, and here's what I mean by that. I was told at the very beginning when we, when we planted the church, don't do missions. I was told, don't do missions. You cannot do missions. Don't do missions for at least five to ten years um, of starting a church. Um, because it will take, it, you, you have to give it your everything, and you cannot do missions when you, when you plant a church. And I'm and, and and that just went like my brain just kind of got scrambled. I was like, wait a minute, but isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? You know, uh, and, and and so we just decided to go against the status quo, and we started from year one doing missions. We sent out a missions team to India. We sent out teams to Mexico last year. I mean, so we're 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 just going to do it no matter what, right? W- well, here's why they tell you not to do it, right? It's because like this morning it looks kind of uh, it's not as full in here this morning, right? You know why it's not as full as here this morning? Because they're overseas doing, you know what I'm saying? And we got a body here, so we're all doing our part, right? Because it takes everybody. It takes people to send, people to give, people to pray, people to go. It takes everybody to do the work of the ministry. So by them being in New Orleans, what you see there, you guys are a part of that fruit. By those people being in Peru and Mexico this summer, guess what? All of us here are a part of that fruit, right? Because we, we put into it. We, we give of our tithes. We give of our offerings. We help support. We do all these kind of things. And we're all a part of the fruit that comes out of that. But that's why, they, that's why they tell you, don't do it. Why? Because your numbers will be slim. And when your numbers are slim, then people will get discouraged and they won't come back. And I, 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 my brain's like, well, I think the opposite. I think, I think, I, if I was sitting there, I'd be like encouraged. Wow, I'm thankful that there's not as many people there this morning because they're all over doing that kind of stuff. And this church is actually doing something. It's just not sitting on its tail end, you know, contemplating life and contemplating church and contemplating God. And con- we're actually doing the actionable kind of stuff, right? But one of the other things I love about this church is that, is that it's the genuine, authentic piece to it. Is that, And when you come in here, you feel it. You sense it. It's like, it's like man, because it's just part of who we are. Because like, I want people to know more than anything that walk through those back doors, whether new or whether they've been here for the last two and a half years, is that you're loved and valued. You're loved and valued. Every one of you that's in this room, you are loved and valued. God loves you. I love you. The people in this room, we love each other. You're you're loved and valued. How many think that that's some pretty important stuff today? I think half the reason, you know, one of the epidemics that we've been helping to be a part of the solution to uh, is this whole epidemic of suicide. Suicide is just insanity to me around this place. Colorado Springs is number three in the nation. At one school alone from January to June, eight suicides from January to June at one school. That's just one school. Many people are like, and they're, and they're trying to cycle babble it, man. They're trying to get more counselors. They're trying to do all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. And I've talked with counselors. I've talked with therapists. I've talked with people. And I've said, I said, the problem is your equation is wrong. Because we can try to try to fix people, and it's, I think it's good. I, I'm not, and I've told these guys this. I think what they do in the therapy realm, what they do in the counselor, I think it's vital. I think it's important. I do think there's chemical imbalance issues. I do believe that. I think that there is those issues. But here's the problem. I believe that God created all and that he is the healer. I believe that he is the mechanism in order to see the shift and the change to take place. And what we've done is we've pushed him off to the side. I had this therapist tell me, he says, "Danny, he says, as you don't understand, he says, because I told him, I said, the, the, the mechan- your, your equation's wrong. You, you've got you, to put God back into the equation. He goes, and I agree with you. And he's a secular counselor. He goes, I agree with you. He says, in fact, they train us to, they train us when, when we go through all of our training, all of our schooling and stuff. They spend about, like, I don't know, five minutes, but they spend, and they say, this is a really important factor. Spirituality is a really important factor to the healing process, but we don't know how to give it to you. Next, and they go on to the next thing. That's the way counseling's done. They don't spend a whole lot of time. On the, on the mechanism of what's really going to make the shift. I believe the physical and the spiritual come together. I don't believe they're separate. I believe they come together. That's the way God has ordained it. But the problem that I see that's happening with the whole suicide thing is that people don't realize and understand that they're loved and that they're valued. They have not really experienced love. What do you mean by that? I think everybody has their own definition of what love is, and I think it's completely inaccurate most of the time. If you go out in the world today, wait a minute, right, the whole secular media, everybody, wait a minute, I thought you Christians are supposed to love everybody. Depends on your definition of love. If love just means tolerance, if love means coexist, then you're wrong. Because that's not what love, Love love sets a standard. Love goes through the hard things. Love is tender. Love is kind, right? And and so we begin to go, that's what what love really is, right? And so, but if people understood that they were loved and valued, I think we would really cancel out a lot of stuff that's going on in the world today if they really understood true love. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And here's what it says, it says, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. And one of the experts in the religious law tried to trap him with this question. And the question was this in verse 36, teacher, which is the most important commandment of the law of Moses? So what they were referring back to is the different laws that are in Leviticus and Deuteronomy and those kind of things, right? Part of the whole Torah and, the, and, and, and they knew that front and back all over the place. They, they knew it, they got it. And Jesus is getting ready to completely confound them. And Jesus replied in verse 37, he says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. For this is the first and the greatest of the commandments. And second is equal to it. And it's this, love your neighbor as yourself. For the entire law, the entire law, and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. In other words, if you get these two things down, guys, if you get these two commandments down, you're gonna be good to go. If you'll figure out these two commandments, it will actually be pretty phenomenal in your life. Now, I'm gonna break it down not only into two commandments, but I'm gonna break it down into three pieces. Number one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul. And all your mind. This comes from Deuteronomy chapter six. That's what's also funny to me. You know, there's a lot of people out there that's like, we're only New Testament people. We're New Testament people. That's all we do is New Testament. And I'm like, did you realize that 70% of the New Testament is Old Testament scriptures? You know, it's like it's it's the testament. It's not old and new, it's the testament. It's the coming together. It's it's all, it's both. Jesus just came to say, I've come to cap it off, I've come to fulfill. The law, not to do away with it. And then number two, I'm going to kind of reverse these things. And number two, I'm going to point out, is to love yourself. Love yourself. Now, that can get kind of twisted, because there's a lot, again, the whole psychology piece of this thing, right? It's all about self-love. That's not what he's talking about here, and we'll, and we'll talk about that as well as, as we continue. Because the next piece is love your neighbor. And the reason why I put it in that order, because he said, love your neighbor as yourself. So in other words, you have to know how to love yourself before you could ever love your neighbor, right? I mean, if you don't love yourself, you're going to not really love your neighbor. I mean, come on, let's get down to it. If I hate myself, man, you know, I'm coming home and kicking the dog and doing all that kind of stuff. Guess what I'm doing to my neighbor? It's not very nice stuff, right? Because he's my neighbor, I don't care about him, I don't know him. It's kind of like those people, you know, who drive me down the road and they're, you know, they're letting you know that you're number one, Right? And uh, it's like, you know, there, there's not a whole lot of love going on there, and, and so you, you got to learn to love yourself first. So let's talk about this. First of all, let's, let's get down, let's, let's understand what love really is and what it is not. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 1 through 7, it says, if you don't have love, you're a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. So how many think that love is important, right? How many think there's a lot of noisy gongs and clanging cymbals out there as well, right? And, uh, and that's where we get, when we're into self-love, we become a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. Have you ever been around those people who self-love themselves? Right? Those people who are very prideful about themselves and all that kind of stuff. How many, how many really enjoy being around those kind of people, right? And, and when your first point of conversation is they're letting you know about everything that they know. How many like those people, right? Those are amazing people to be around. <laughs> I'm like, Really? can we just pull out of that a little bit you know and 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 that's what self love does it becomes a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal so so what is love well it says there in in uh, chapter 13 it talks about love being patient and kind it doesn't give up it doesn't lose faith it's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance that's what love is so so love that's what that's what love Is And love also, in 1 John 4, 9, says that love does what? It expels or casts out all fear. That's what love does. So when I walk into the middle of a situation and someone is very fearful, but I walk in with God's love, what ends up happening in that middle of that situation? It's kind of like Jesus being on the boat, right, and all the storm was around. All, the, all their eyes, all the disciples are like, oh my gosh, you know, and Jesus is sleeping in the boat, and what ends up happening? Jesus gets up and speaks authority over it, right? That's what happens when love steps into the room. All of a sudden, everything becomes peaceful and calm again. And so our job as believers, our jobs as followers of Christ is that we ought to be those that are full of that kind of love, that when we walk into the middle of a situation, that God begins to speak to us of how we ought to minister in that situation, and all love then is cast out. At that moment, at that time, all of a sudden, love just comes in, and fear just goes, boom, out of the room, right? Because love comes in, fear goes out. And that's what I love about love. It just pretty cool, right? It, you walk into the middle of a situation, and if you have love in your heart, it's amazing. If compassion is in your heart, it's amazing of how those situations just completely dissolve. I've been around situations where I've had people that are high anxiety, people that are going through difficult situations, people that are going through, I mean, you know what I'm saying? They're, I mean, everything in the world is crashing around them, but you walk in with love the love of God. You walk in with love, and all of a sudden, everything begins to calm down. All of a sudden, clarity begins to come. Confusion begins to move out of the way, right? And, and all of a sudden, just like you heard here, right? They were praying in New Orleans, team. they were praying for this one gal, and all of a sudden, she was basically skipping down the road after they got done praying. Why? Because love came in into the middle of that situation. So, that's what, so this is what love is. Love is not fear. Love is not jealous, proud. Rude, and here's this one selfish. This is why self love never works. To love yourself out of yourself will never work. And, I, and, and we're going to talk about how, to, how do we do this well and how do we do it properly. But, um, and love is not irritable. How many ever get irritable? Yeah, right here. Love is not irritable. I like this one. It keeps no record of wrongs, right? And I know for you ladies out there, sometimes, you know, because you guys got steel traps, right? I mean, it's like, you know? yo, Yeah, my wife, she remembers everything, man. It's like, and it's like, and I'm like, I don't even remember that, man. I totally, completely forgot that. Ladies, are you with me? How many of you guys have steel trap brains like that? You don't, uh, yeah. And like, all of a sudden, it's a pook, and you remember everything. It's like, and and these are the things we cannot keep record of wrong, right? It's like, we just can't do it. And um, in fact, we got to just push it away. And, and, and be, okay, it's done, I, it's done, right? Um, it does not rejoice about injustice. does not rejoice about injustice. I mean, how many times when something happens, right, maybe it's at a workplace or something like that, something happens to, to, to somebody at the job site, right, and you're like, oh, yeah, go get them, right? Love doesn't rejoice in that stuff. Why? Because love is tender, love is kind, love is patient. And, and love, what, what's the desired outcome? That all may come to know him. That's the desired outcome. If we can keep that on our forefront as the desired outcome, that all would come to know him, then 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 it shifts how I even begin to start thinking about situations. I've been in situations where I'm like thinking, yeah, that, that'll be good, you know. And then all of a sudden I have to shift my thinking and go, wait a minute, this desired outcome is that they would be drawn to God, not pulled away from him. So God... We just ask that you would cause them, draw them in, draw them near to you. First Peter four, eight through nine. This is what love is. It says, continue to show deep love for each other. Why? Because a love because love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. The Message Bible says this. Most of all, love each other as if your life depended on it. How like that one? I love the Message Bible. Love as if your life depended on it. In other words, because when you do that, it covers over a lot of stuff. Love covers over a lot of things, right? How many times when you've been offended... But you then turn it into love and what ends up happening? Do you become offended anymore? So if if I'm offended and that person comes to me and loves on me, how many know that's easy then to be able to push it off? Ah, it's okay. They really didn't mean it. That's what love does. Love, Love covers over all that stuff. Covers a multitude of sins or in the Message Bible it says, love makes up for practically anything. And then it goes on to say how to love. Be quick to Give a meal to the hungry, a bed to the homeless, and do it cheerfully. So love covers this thing up. Love covers over, love makes up for practically anything. So we all get it, right? We all understand that love is important. So in the first part of the verses in which we were talking about that Jesus was talking with Jesus was saying, that comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 6. He says some things in here, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. In Deuteronomy, it actually says strength there for that, and it's interesting as you begin to dive into these words as far as the Hebrew, and what, what, what are each of these words? What's the heart? What's the soul? What's the mind? It's interesting when you begin to start studying, you begin to start figuring out there's a lot of redundancy between them all. In other words, the heart... This is where all modes of feeling, from the lowest physical forms as hunger and thirst to the highest spiritual forms as reverence and remorse, are attributed by the Hebrews to the heart. So in other words, this is where the heart comes, this is our feelings, our emotions, this is that the, the, the... I look at the heart as like the centermost being, right? As your centermost being. I've got to love God from my centermost being. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it says, Keep thy heart with diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. In other words, protect the heart, protect your innermost being. Be diligent to guard it. Don't let anything, just anything, come in and grab a hold of it. Don't be giving away pieces of your heart where it shouldn't be given away. Don't be receiving things into your heart that you shouldn't be receiving, but protect it with diligence. How many times do we just open up our hearts sometimes, right? Now, it's not meaning that we're not supposed to trust people, not mean that we're not supposed to love people, all that kind of stuff. But when things are being spoken into my life, right, how many know that words are important? What's the Bible say? Life and death are in the power of the what? The tongue. So words that are spoken, words that are actually utilized, right, those words that, that come out, it's life or death. And what do I choose to speak, right? So I begin to check my heart. I begin to guard my heart. I begin to protect it and go, okay, what words am I letting in there? When I take a look at the whole suicide thing and some of those things that are going on, and we asked a question last night at the underground, and it was like, it's like, how many of you guys, when you're in conversation with your friends, do you speak negative over each other? I mean, think about it. The sarcasm, right, that comes, the, you know, we're joking around with each other, sometimes we're joking, sometimes we're not joking, and, and all of a sudden we're speaking these death words into each other, right? You're lame. What an idiot. Can't believe you just did that. Come on, anybody could have done better than that, right? How many know that oftentimes we speak, how about over our kids, right? you 're upset you 're frustrated, and you begin to say these things and we 've got to be careful about what we say because that goes into someone 's heart We also got to be careful about what we hear because it can come into my heart i 've got to protect the heart it 's the centermost thing and it says to worship the Lord your God with what all your what heart with all your center being with all the with everything that is that you are made of, worship him the problem is we get off track sometimes, don't we? And and, and 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 all of a sudden we get kind of discombobulated. We kind of you know our brain goes and we, and all of a sudden we're thinking about a bunch of other things and doing and and all of a sudden we get off topic and we don't worship him with all of our heart. It says to worship him with all your heart and to worship him with what all your soul. Nefesh is the word. Soul in the Hebrew, and it's used in a concrete way to refer to the throat, as it relates to breathing and eating. It's kind of interesting, right? Nefesh. Also, that word comes from breathing. There's a word out of the Hebrew that, that comes from that word to breathe. When God breathed the breath of life, it comes out of that same word, and it's interesting. This whole nefesh. It's like it's like you know it, the. The throat, everything that comes in and out of this, right? Your breath, what you eat. So in other words, your soul, it means your ever-living being. So that's why it kind of overlaps on the heart a little bit. It's yourself, it's your person, it's your desire, it's your passions, it's your appetite. That's what the soul is. Worship the Lord your God with your appetite. Worship the Lord your God with what you desire. I don't know about you, but how many times do we desire things, right? And these things in which we desire are like, yeah, maybe we shouldn't necessarily desire those. Anybody ever been there? Right? It's like there's certain things that we desire that you're like, and and also what's really cool about this is that anything that we desire, we should bring it into check with God. In other words, not all desire is of God. Right? And so we need to take the desire and put it into check with what God says we need to put it into check with because how many times do you hear people I don't know just do what's on your heart right if the heart is unprotected then my desires will get off course right if my heart is unprotected then my heart becomes evil my heart becomes a little nasty doesn't smell as good my heart is not pure anymore and how many know that, that then all of a sudden we begin to get off course? So that's why it's important to protect the heart, but it's also important to put our, our desires into check or into alignment with God. Your heart, your soul. And Psalms 42, 1 and 2 says this, As the deer longs for the streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. I don't know about you, but every time I read that verse, David, I'm like, I'm like, man, this guy was impassioned, right? It's like, as my soul, right, as everything within me, I thirst, I long for, I want more of. I can't get enough. How many of you guys have ever been in a place where you just can't get enough of God, right? It's like, and, and if you haven't, we need to get there. I mean, come on, let's be real, right? I mean, the reality is, so many times in life, life gets in the way of my desire. Life gets in the way of my heart. I mean, come on. The bills, the job issues, the family stuff. I mean, those realities tend to try to creep in and get in the way, but if I keep God as number one, I keep him focused as number one, and I keep my heart on him, and I keep my soul on him, guess what ends up happening? These other things begin to start taking care of itself. The problem is we get off, all of a sudden it's like squirrel, right? I mean, they said the attention span of a human being, now that we have cell phones, is down to eight seconds. A goldfish has one of nine. Right? So think about how that works in our spiritual walk. Right? All of a sudden we're walking down the road going, woohoo, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And then all of a sudden it's like, bills, and I don't keep it in in, in check with my heart and my soul. And God's saying, keep it in check. Always keep it in check. Never keep your eyes off me. For as a deer pants for water, let your soul long for me. Just, just, just let it go. Yeah, but I might become weird. No, you'll never become weird if you're on Him. you'll, You'll actually. What ends up happening? That's what the devil loves to tell us and but you're going to get more life if you focus over here. You'll get more life if you do this. You'll get more life if you focus your attentions here. You'll get more life. No, I'll get more life if my attentions are focused on him and him alone. I will get more life. Because that's what he's desired for me is to live life to the full. Lastly, he says to worship him with all your heart, to worship him with all your soul, and to worship him with all your mind, or like I said in Deuteronomy, it says, with all your strength. Joshua 1.8 says this. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you would be careful to do everything written in it. Then, right? I love those words, right? Oftentimes we pass over that word. Then, right? It's like, well, he said we're supposed to be prosperous and successful. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Only when we keep our hearts and our minds stayed on him. How many think that prospering and success is life? There's life in that, right? And God wants to give you that life of prosperity and of success. He wants you to walk in that. That everything that you, the Bible says, that everything that you put your hands to would surely prosper. He wants you to walk in that. It's not that he doesn't want you to walk in it. He's just saying, Keep your eyes on me. Keep your heart, your soul, your mind on me. Scripture also says about keeping our mind on him to think upon these things the things that are good, the things that are holy, right? Or right standing, and those things that are of good report. So, in that, wouldn't that be interesting to walk through our thought process each day? Is it good? Is it holy? Does it have a good report? Because if it doesn't, I shouldn't be thinking on it. How many times do we get off track thinking on things that are not good, that are not holy, and they don't have a good report to them? I, I, would, beg to, I, would, I would bet to believe that it's quite often. But how would my life shift if I were to do that? So in other words, he's saying here, he's saying, let's love him in everything that we do. Let's love him in our actions, how I treat others. Let's love him in our thoughts. You know, think upon these things. Let's love him in your feelings. You know, how do I love him in my feelings? Well, you got to know what he has to say about you before you could ever love him in your feelings. And I think it's interesting when it talks about the heart, the soul, the mind. You know, feelings are... uh, a large part of that. The problem, how many no feelings, though, can get you off track if they're not in check? How many ever felt something about somebody else to come to find out that none of it was true? Do you see what I'm saying? Because your feelings aren't necessarily truth, your, but your feelings are true, but they have to be kept in check. And so the way they're kept in check is by what? Keeping my focus and my attention and my heart, my soul, and my mind set on him. So he says to love your neighbor as yourself. So he, he, let's keep going here. So Ephesians chapter 3 verse 29 says this. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it. Just as Christ cares for the church, so are we to do as members of this body. So it says here, it says, it says for a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. For no one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it. So in other words, in order for me to truly love others, i got to love myself, but how do I love myself? Well, loving yourself is pretty instinctive, actually, right? I mean, if you're hungry, what do you do? If you're thirsty, what do you do? If you're tired, what do you do? It's pretty instinctive. It's not, it's not you know, it's not hardcore on that. I mean, you, you, all of us know how to take care of ourselves, pretty much. But I also say this, that The reality is that it's difficult to love your neighbor if you don't love yourself and you really can't love yourself if you don't love God and you really can't love God until you've experienced the love of God. Now many of us know of God's love, we've heard about God's love. We, we, the things that happen, like, for instance, right, it's like, I, I, I know about God's love. People have told me about his love. People have, you know, I, I'm watching this video of these people in New Orleans, and they're telling me how, you know, that person was changed, and they felt God's love. But until you yourself experience his love, it all becomes kind of a moot point. And that's what I want to get to this morning. We're going to continue on with this in the next few weeks and stuff, but I want to get to this piece, and that is this. We have to experience his love. At the same time, I have to know about his love, right? And so part of me experiences love. Sometimes me experiences love is me knowing about his love to begin with, one, as I know about it. The other thing is beginning to speak life over me, right? And so all of a sudden I begin to pull out scriptures, I begin to dive into the word, and I begin to go, what does he say about me? Who am I to him? And all of a sudden, you begin to start seeing who you are in him. And you begin to see that you're valued in him. And you begin to see how much he really does love you. And in fact, so much love that he's given you, he, is just, he, he, gives, you, he, he gives you responsibilities, and he wants to build partnerships and relationships with you. And so part of it is that me understanding scripture, and, and I've got I to I put the word in me. I've got to put the word in me. I've got to put the word in me. I've got to put the word in me, right? And, and sometimes it takes time. Sometimes it's just a matter of, 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 of giving up. And being able to go, God, I, I don't got this thing. I thought I did. I thought, I thought I had it on track. I thought I thought I I thought I had it all together. But the reality, I'm realizing I don't. And and I need you to come into my life in a very real way. Now, many of us in this room have made a profession of faith. we said, Jesus be the Lord of my life. and Which is great. It's awesome. It's a great step. But how many know that then we need to let him be Lord of our lives? Right? And that's a different story, right? I mean, because all of a sudden now, all of a sudden, I'm having to make it, I mean, being Lord of your life is like, Making a decision about what do I do with my kids? Where are they going to go to school? What are they going to do this? What are they going to do that? Right? I mean, Marie and I used to every year. We used to re-evalu- reevaluate every year with our kids and go, okay, are they in the right place? Are they in the right school? Do they need to be someplace differently? Right? Because I, I wanted to make sure we, we did everything possible that we knew how of on our side to put them in the right place. Right? So it's, it's this reevaluation piece. And so I, I want us, you know, as love, we need to make sure that we're, like, walking in this stuff, right? And so I want us to get to a place to today to where we're going, okay, I know about it. I know of it. But now I need to experience. I need to make him completely Lord of my life. Not just, and, and again, where I send my kids, what I, how I spend my money. That's a touchy subject, right? Everybody, I mean, because every pastor talks about that, right? I mean, I don't know. It's, but to me, it's just a part of our life. It's just part of who we are, right? So how I spend my money, what I put my emotional self into, what I put my thought patterns into, what, what I, who I hang out with, right? What, what does my life look like today? Are my paths ordered and directed of him, right? It's all of a sudden, it's like, what's lordship mean? Lordship is saying, God, show me today what I'm supposed to do today. Not my agenda, but his agenda. How many think that's a switch within our society, right? That's a, that's a huge shift within our society. But, I, but I'm here to tell you that when we make that shift, I'm not saying that life gets all simple and easy. What I'm saying is when we make that shift, you begin to live life to the full. When you make that shift and really begin to experience it that way, then all of a sudden, everything begins to start coming together. You don't have to worry about the other stuff. right? So, so this morning, we're going to do this real quick. So stand on your feet with me. So in order for me to be able to genuinely walk this thing out or act out in love, I have to first know that you know, the Bible says, you know, we love, right? In John. We love, why? Because he, What? Because he first loved us. So it's not a matter of me trying to make that love happen, right? I can't make that love happen. The only way for the love to take place is is by me understanding and realizing that he loved me first, right? Again, it's that whole thing we've been talking about lately, about putting him first, right? He loved me first. I I couldn't love him first. He had to love me first for me to really be able to experience that love. And so this morning, I want us to put it all out there. Because I really believe, what's coming down the pipe, what's what's happening, what's getting ready to happen. Here is that, that this love will become exponential in our lives, and when it becomes exponential in our lives, how many think that lives transformed around us will happen? Okay, and that's what we got. We have to tap into. We have to tap into this piece, of love. So, would you close your eyes for me? We're just going to kind of hang out with him here just for a minute. And I just want us to get to a I think there's several little things in here but the main thing is this, is that I want us to truly experience his love to a whole nother level. And because all the other smaller stuff will just handle itself at that point, but Because if I experience his love, then the things I begin to speak over my own life are going to be his love. The the things I speak over other people's lives will be his love. And so this morning, I just want you to kind of push everything away and I really just want you to have a heart-to-heart conversation with God. I just want you to focus your attention on him and him alone and I want you to ask the question to yourself. Have you ever really experienced God's love? Just be honest with yourself. There's no need to lie. I mean, that's not going to do you any good. Let's just be honest with ourselves this morning. Have we really experienced God's love? And maybe Some of us will be, the answer will be no. Some of us, the answer will be, well, sort of. I mean, I've experienced a a piece of it. Then, and that's cool, but the Bible says how deep, how wide is the love of God. That nothing, that nothing, nothing would ever be able to separate us from that love. So, I just, if you're saying with me this morning, God, I just, I want to experience your love to a whole nother level. And I want to experience the fullness of who you are in my life. I want to make the shift so that I could really love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I I, want to make that shift. And if you are saying that with me this morning, I just want you to lift up your hands just in a sign of, God, I I just want to receive that from you. And if you're standing here with me this morning with your hands lifted up, we're just going to pray that God would just cause us to be able to experience his love in a very fresh and a real way so that we can do the other pieces that he's asked us to do because without getting this piece down, it's almost nearly impossible to to do the next pieces. So, Father, here we are with our hands lifted up. and God, we want to experience your love, whatever that means. God, we, we want that love in our lives. Father, right now, we just ask that you would just pour that out upon us. That you begin to break off the yokes of bondage. You break off the, our thought, old thought patterns. Begin to break off the things that we've meditated on. That are not of you. That we begin to break away. Those things that are in our emotions, those things that are in our heart. Maybe our hearts have become hardened over the years, and of distrust and frustration. And God, we ask that you break that away right now in the name of Jesus. I ask you give us a new heart. Make it moldable and pliable like clay, like your Word says. Give us a fresh heart. show us how to protect it, yet at the same time to love through it. God, we want to experience your love so that others would experience it as well around us. So Father, we just ask right now in the name of Jesus, pour your love out. Pour it out, God. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Say, come, pour out your love upon us the hurts and the pains that that stuff would be removed right now in the name of Jesus the stuff that blocks us from understanding your love God right now in the name of Jesus I command that stuff to be removed off our hearts the distrust that we've held up over the years that that stuff be broken off right now in Jesus name that fear that comes up but what if I what if I really do this and what if I don't? What if I mean, all the question mark fear things that try to come in, I command that stuff to be broken off our lives right now in Jesus' name. And God, that we would be so free to engage with you, so free to love you, so free to honor you with everything that is in us. And God, I thank you that you made a way through your son Jesus, that you prepared a way to love us first so we can even walk in this love. Thank you for doing that. Father, just ask that in this week, in in our going, that you continue to build on this. That every day, every morning, when we wake up, every night when we go to bed, through the midst of our conversations, that we would see this stuff being broken off. That we would talk differently, we would act differently, we would love differently. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for life and thank you for giving it to us to the full. We love you.